whatever you want. You have freedom here at Northgate. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Truly another day that you have given us and we give you praise. Thank you that you're faithful. We give you thanks that you are in our midst and we invite you to move. Holy Spirit, to direct us, to lead us, to speak to us. But we worship you. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You are certainly worthy of all our praise. This morning, may we just clear our minds and put you in the center. Lord God, we want to praise you. We want to hear from you. Thank you for each one that's here, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Let's stand together. Now that we're all comfy, sitting down. <laughs> and uh, this is a song of celebration and declaration for the faithfulness of God. Amen. So let's sing this together. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever.
Approach your throne, Lord, humbly. Give you praise, Lord. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus and I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to pray hallelujah declaring there is hope and there is freedom 
Jesus, he flees. So I just encourage you throughout your week, throughout your morning, when you get out of bed and you're feeling down, you're depressed, or you're fearful, just speak the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Amen. And he fights our battles for us. We don't fight our battles. We just surrender. So this morning as we sing this next song, just surrender. Surrender your fight to Jesus. Amen.
for your love for us, Father, that you know us, you've made us, you know every part of us, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning, Lord, and your faithfulness is great. It's the greatest ever. There's nothing, Lord, that compares to you, Jesus. We give you praise and honor and glory precious name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Kids, you can be dismissed to Sunday school. You can greet one another. Okay, trying to think if there's any announcements. 
uh, other than the usual, I think young adults are Monday, youth group Tuesday, down in the rec gathering room downstairs Wednesday. Lots of opportunity for corporate prayer, which we encourage you in the morning walking or in the evening corporately together. We certainly would love to see you in those times. The ladies had a wonderful time yesterday at their breakfast, so that was great to see. Some have been asking, or one, Christmas. We will have our Christmas Eve service as usual, and then on the 26th, Sunday, we'll be here worshiping for the Lord for those who are here, so we're excited uh, about that. Those of you who've signed up for the Hearing God Seminar, the last set, the next set is Friday and Saturday. Uh, we'll have a, another one joining with the Pentecostal Church in the new year, but for those of you who have started that, that's great. encourage you to finish it up and uh, learn together with our brothers and sisters there at Glad Tidings. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless his word. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to hear from you. Lord God, we just have the sense this morning that you have a call for us to be steady to endure, to persevere. Maybe there's some who are having some ups and downs in, in life, family, or just circumstances. I just think the Lord wants you to know this morning to just put one foot in front of the other, following him, and he has it under control. He is your rock, and he is your refuge. Just take one day at a time, just trusting him. Stay the course. Stay steady. The Lord is with you. Just be encouraged if you need to hear that word this morning. Claim it. Receive it. It's scriptural truth. <laughs> to endure and persevere in trusting Jesus. Bless your word this morning, God. May we know that we've experienced you, Holy Spirit, lead us. We know that you're here. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 14 this morning. Last week, Doug covered chapter 13, Saul's beginning of his demise, not waiting not trusting the Lord. We continue with that story a little bit, but our focus maybe at the beginning of chapter 14 changes to his son Jonathan, and then it will go back at the end of chapter 14 and into 15, continuing with Saul and his disobedience. We're only going to cover the beginning verses if you're new to Northgate. We teach through God's Word or attempt to take some themes out of a passage, but we try to be continual, and we've been going through the book of 1 Samuel. So we'll start in chapter 14, verse 1, pick up our story. We know that the Israelites have been battling against the Philistines, and that continues. 
And in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gilbah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Abijah, the son of Hiatub, Ichabog's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing the ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Verse 4, between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozaz and the other Shena. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gilbah. Verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they were hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earthquake. So it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gilbah of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. We'll stop there in verse 16 before we get in the next section. I'm sure most of you have heard this story in Sunday school or read it yourself. Jonathan is quite a character in the Bible. He becomes one of David's closest friends, for sure. Nothing really like his father. Seemed to be a great man of faith. This is the second time he's attacked the Philistines with no one knowing, believing God was with him and delivered the enemy a blow. So, you probably can guess what I'm going to talk about today, but that's okay. Because we need to be reminded, maybe this week I need to be reminded, and whenever I open up, not that I don't know what's coming next, but I begin to read at the beginning of the week, I'm always 
Like, oh, wow, this chapter, that's so good. I love this chapter. Anyways, faith. That's going to be our lesson. And maybe you need to hear about faith this morning. Maybe you've heard it all, but maybe you need to be reminded today. Actually, I believe each of us needs to be reminded today of faith. It's been a week of lessons of faith. It seems everywhere I turn, something's about faith. In my mentoring with church renewal, my lesson this week, or in last week into this week, the whole study is called Prayer and Fasting, but it was on faith and obedience. How about that? The memory verse was, oh yes, our favorite. Hebrews 11 verse 1 about faith. I'm sure all of you can quote it. I know there's some who are in my small group who should be able to quote it, as I'm looking at Matt, as we do these verses and memorize them together in Nasarat. But faith is the assurance, being sure of things hoped for, it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and the conviction of things not seen. So I'm trusting and believing in what I can't see. I have an assurance of the things I hope for, and hope is the joyful expectation of good. I believe what God has said. Amen? That's faith. And as I studied these lessons, it was interesting. On Tuesday, I have a, a friend who is really taking a huge step of faith, and he put a lot on the line to accomplish what he believed God was showing him. And it was a project. And I thought, it's a little ways away. For some reason, on Tuesday morning, I had a little extra time. I said, I'm going to go up to where that is. It's about half an hour from here. Um, I'm going to pray over that. And I was listening to this section as I was driving and I was amazed, as I thought of my friend, um, his name is Steve, and he's building a development in Westport. How could he be so crazy to do some of the stuff he does? What possesses him to have that kind of faith to put all that he has on the line? And I was just so encouraged thinking about that. And even going to pray just by myself, no one invited me, over that development, a sense that this was a faith decision and God is going to bless it. And I'm sure in your lives you've made many decisions based on faith. One is becoming a Christian, amen? But there are many more. I don't think it's one step of faith and we're out. As I'm going to talk about today, it's a life of faith. We know later on in Hebrews 11, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. It's not so much all the time our action and behavior. It's our faith that pleases God. Faith is a big word. I learned this week in my mentoring group, there's a Jewish fellow there who knows Hebrew. And he says it's interesting. We make a big deal about the word faith, but you could put trust or believe. And in the Hebrew word, it's somewhat the same just believing and trusting god when he tells us something acting on it 
not looking at the circumstances all around us. And we've all read the great stories of the missionaries. We see in the Bible, as you carry on in Hebrews 11, all these great steps of faith. But yet in our lives, sometimes it's just really difficult. And it's not a new battle. Even the disciples faced that, and Jesus had to say to them on numerous occasions, ye of little faith. You ever feel like putting your name in there? I do. But praise God, it's just the littleness of a mustard seed in faith. And that certainly does please God. But I was thinking about a life of faith. And sometimes we like, oh, wow, again, look at that life of faith. Look at so-and-so. And we get charged up, and we should. But I don't think a life of faith should be like once in a while. I actually think it should be our life all the time. And we shouldn't be super pumped all the time, though it is encouraging, and I think it is good. We should be living the life, writing the story, and not being excited always about reading. And I'm not putting that down. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I guess I want to say, I want my life to be a story of faith. I want to be known as someone who pleased God. What about you? I look at this story, and I don't know. I want to be a Jonathan. I would love, <laughs> at the end of my life, not to necessarily be known for many things, but rather one thing, and it would be this that, hey, that guy really trusted Jesus. He really trusted God. And I think that's what God wants for us. And as I look at this story, just some reminders in how we can live by faith. Only three. I'm going to keep it very simple. <laughs> um, I've just got a real kick out of teaching chapel at the Christian school this year. I'm teaching K through 8 every Monday, or three of four times. I want to be accurate. Um, and, I, and I usually stay 10, 15 minutes, and I keep it super simple. And I've realized there's power in just being simple. I'm going to be simple today. <laughs> and I think God will bless it. First and foremost, as we look down, there's one verse that's probably underlined in your Bible, and we can underline it together if it's not. Jonathan and his armor bearer ready to go, and Jonathan makes this famous statement, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Come on! We've all heard that voice, right? Uh, that verse in a voice, your own voice, probably in your head. But I look at that, and it simply says to me, I need to look at God and not the circumstance. Because what Jonathan is saying 
is nothing can stop the Lord. Nothing can stop God. There's plenty of things that can stop me. You know that? And the problem with faith is I often ask the question, how is this going to work out? How is this circumstance going to be solved? And I work it out in my own mind in a natural way instead of trusting a supernatural God. And often when we see the circumstance and we're not looking through God's eyes, we cannot display and walk in faith because we're walking in our reality. But the truth is, when we look at God and what he can do, there's nothing that God cannot do. It says here, nothing restrains God. Like if you were Mary, oh, you're going to be pregnant. Well, how can that be? And her conclusion is, nothing is impossible with God. We, again, love to look at the circumstance. Myself at the top of the list. But here it's clear that numbers do not matter. Because God can accomplish what God wants. God will bring victory if he has asked us something in his word to do or confirmed something through his Holy Spirit in our lives that he is greater than the circumstance. And this morning, I need to remind myself and I need to remind you that nothing will restrain God. And it's all through scripture, by the way. Oh, no, no, come on, Dan. Okay, you want to journey through Scripture and see the impossible that God does when he visits our reality? Do you want to start with Abraham not being able to have a child? Do you want to move on in all the battles the Israelites won, even though yet they were smaller, yet God was with them? Stories like Gideon when he was told... Take the number down, 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 down. Finally to 300 verse 100,000. And I think sometimes my challenge is, well, that's in the Bible, but that's not today. That's not a heart of faith. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was thinking about faith in simple things, in his word. If God asks me to forgive when I don't want to forgive, I think it's impossible. It's not justified, yet God says in faith I need to trust him and forgive. Well, God, how are you going to bring victory from that? And he would say, just believe what I say. Let's not think of miracles of healing, which I do believe in, by the way. Let's think of the everyday life and simply trusting and believing when it doesn't make sense to you. When this book does not make sense to the world or to you, it matters not in faith 
you are to obey. And the enemy, because we're in a spiritual battle, Jim pointed that out this morning, and if you don't believe we're in a battle, you're not reading your Bible. I'm not even talking about the time frame we live in. It's a reality of what God has told us. Again, if I have faith and believe what he has said, I know we're in a battle, and I need to trust in him. We need to look at him. We need to trust him. I've used this example before, but as the spies went into the promised land, we just did Joshua a year ago, and they saw how big the grapes were, but they saw how large the enemy was. You remember that? And they came back, and ten of them said, We can't do this. They're too big. We are but yet grasshoppers in their sight. Yet Joshua and Caleb, looking at God, said, No, our God is bigger than the enemy. We are smaller, but our God is bigger. Perspective of faith of Jonathan is, who do you look at? Do you look at God and what he can do, or do you look at yourself and what you can do? Well, I can do really not much. And you're probably a lot better, smarter, and stronger than me, but I got news for you. Either can you. You will never accomplish the supernatural in your human effort. It is only God and trusting and having faith in him. And every character in Hebrews 11 shows us that lesson. I guess point one <laughs> Simply, who are you looking at in what God has asked you to do? Let's look at him. It's funny, in one of those chapel services, I was talking this week about <laughs> how powerful God is and we're in a battle, trying to explain that to kindergartners. But God is greater, first graders. God is greater. That's a lesson. Yay! And I was about to leave. One of the teachers said, thank you, Pastor. All kids say, thank you, Pastor Dan. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Yay! Um, but then she said, and I needed to hear it again in my week of faith, who lives in us. Can you finish it? He who lives in us is greater, capital G, for me, than he who lives in the world. I stopped and I thought, I just taught about God being greater. And that verse hit me again in my week of faith. Is that it for you that you're looking that he who is in you, God, is greater than he who is in the world? What are you facing today? And God is asking you to have faith in him. No, he is greater than any evil in the world. Amen? Praise God. Okay, so 
Who are we looking at, number one, in our journey of faith? Jonathan is looking at God, not his military ability. There was only two swords. He had one. He's not looking at his sword. He's not looking at his armor bearer like he's Spider-Man. He's looking at God. And if God is behind this, God's going to give us victory. But let's talk about Mr. Armor Bear for a while because we want to have a life of faith. We want to look at God. I just want to give you another simple practical point. If you know that to be true, and I do, surround yourself with people who believe the same thing. Okay, he could have had a couple different types of armor bears. Hello, Mr. Armor Bear. There's 20 of them. There's two of us. We got to go through this cliff, go up on our hands and knees, and we're going to destroy them. You want to come? Okay, if he was his armor bearer, what would you say? Yay. <laughs> like, we're not talking the Hulk or superheroes. These are natural men. 20 against 2 is not good odds. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Come on, Mr. Armor Bearer. I love his response there in verse 7. Yeah, go then. I'm with you according to your heart. We need to surround ourselves with people of faith if we want to continue to live well. This is nothing new in Scripture. I'm not teaching you crazy things. The company you keep is really important. If you want to surround yourselves in making big decisions with people who don't want to look to God but to the circumstance, it's not very encouraging. And Psalm 1 is very clear. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Not in the counsel of the world. Not of the counsel, God can't do that. I wouldn't do what he says. Are you sure? No, we want to be surrounded with people of faith in our life. And it starts with the people of faith, of the Word of God. And again, we don't encourage you to read the Bible to check a list here. We encourage you to read the Bible because it will encourage and change you. And as you read these stories front to back of people of faith, do you think you will be encouraged? I surround myself with God's Word because it shows who he is, but the people he uses, which are broken like me, but yet they chose to have faith. And that's why I need to read it and be in it. Well, I've read it once. I know it. I don't need it every day. <laughs> Listen, I read this book a lot. I'm almost finished round. I got about 10 more chapters in numbers. I need this book every single day it doesn't matter how much i've read it doesn't matter the lesson of yesterday i need today to be encouraged by the truth of god and what he can do because that helps me to look at him it helps me to see who he is and then i see the story of those who have trusted him and they do the incredible surround yourself with his truth his word his characters by the way another thing i love and not that i can't live the life but i'm so encouraged by biographies they are so incredible to see 
I want to live that life. I don't just want to read about them, but when I hear what God has done, doesn't it encourage you? Testimony changes us, and we know that the God that lived in those who walked in faith is the God that lives in us. And I want to be encouraged by those stories. Your testimonies, one to another, are very important. Revelation makes it very clear it's the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony that defeats the devil. It's clinging to our God who is faithful and people who trusted him. And thirdly, in real life, again, we don't need to be around downers. But people who know and believe in this truth and want to walk in it who will give you hard advice, but is good advice. I've walked that way. It's hard, but let's trust the Lord. And sometimes we don't want to hear it. But we need to hear it. And we need to be encouraged. I've, I have a long way to go in faith. I just want to say that. But the Lord has allowed me to do a few crazy things in my life. I can remember one time, just to, to put this true, long time ago when we started this vision of discipleship and I wanted to rent a house. I felt the Lord said, rent a house. Now, at that time, the church was about 15 people. I don't want to tell you our income, but it wasn't great. And here we go. I feel like the Lord saying, rent a house. I heard it clearly. So, I do some inquiries with no money about possible places I could rent. You usually do that when you have money, but we didn't have money, but there was a couple who said, yeah, you could rent our, you could rent, we have another house, you could rent it. I can remember it like yesterday. And I thought to myself, praise God, oh no, in the same sentence. That's awesome. You provided a house, but we have no money. It's actually a three-bedroom house over there on South Street. And I said, okay, God, like, and the landlord said, okay, you have a week. Let us know. You want it? And I'm like, oh, oh boy. Okay, God, you've told me this. I don't have any money. How, how are we going to do this? So a time for a board meeting. That time we had three members on the board, and one of them was my friend Chris McCarrick. And um, so it was at the very beginning of the church, and I remember we had this meeting. And I was like, I want to rent this house. And they're like, great, how much? And I was like, it's a thousand bucks. And they're like, how much money do you have? None. <laughs> how much income do you have? Well, not much. Like, I'm telling you, there was nobody coming to, like, less than 15. Um, I think the only ones in this room at that time were Bob and Debbie. There was not many people coming whatsoever. And I remember Chris like, you're nuts. No way. He's like, no. Praise God for Chris in my life. But what I didn't know is there was someone in his office, and he was on speakerphone. And it was the assistant pastor. His name was John. So we get through, it's not looking good. There's no money, house. 
And Chris is like, I know John shouldn't be listening. But he thinks we should have faith and go for it. And John thinks we should pay for half the rent to see if this is actually going to be God. I was like, what? John, you dog, why are you listening to my board meeting? And we ended up taking that step of faith. But it was somebody who said, why don't we see and trust and take that step? Because God might have something. It was the beginning of discipleship in a lot of ways. And I can say from that came incredible fruit because God was in control. We need people in our life who would say, what could God do? At their own sacrifice to support. The armor bearer was giving his life possibly. It wasn't just a few bucks. Hey, if God's in this, let's give it a try. Let's see what he has at my personal expense, my life. But if God's shown you this, and it's in the boundary of his word, you should go for it. And I'm going to encourage you at my own cost. So exciting to be with people in that Northgate. I've been so blessed. And whether it's been steps of prayer houses, I remember Paul Goss one time I was praying. You know, another time we didn't have, I want to rent the Presbyterian house. Why do you want to do that? I have this idea of a prayer house. Oh, yeah. He said, well, you know what? God told me last night I was praying for you that I should support what you bring forth today. That meant so much in the step of faith. We had no money, but you know what? Someone gave $10,000 to that project, and it brought incredible fruit. But before we made the decision, it was like, God, what do you want to do? But hey, it's in the boundary of Scripture. We want to choose to follow the Lord. And there was just people around who are like, let's roll and see what God wants. Because I think God's big enough to stop us if it's not him. What about you? But I don't need to stop myself. Surround yourself with people who know God's word, who are willing to take steps of faith, even at their own expense, and you will be renewed and changed. And even sometimes if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I've done a lot of things where I've lost money. God's always provided. But more importantly, in his word, what is he telling us today? We need people around us who are going to be, let's live God's truth. Amen. Let's surround ourselves. But here's the kicker to this, the armor bearer. Let's be that for each other. <laughs> Man, when you get a whole bunch of people... Loving God, trusting God, believing in God. That's when you see incredible things. Because God is waiting for people to live, to walk in faith. 
trusting, trusting a God who loves us. So number one, know who God is. Look at him in your steps. Number two, surround yourself with people who will simply trust and encourage faith in your life. And finally, this morning, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but just show yourself. And I get that from the next verse. John says, you know, says to his armor bearer, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go up. We're going to go through these two cliffs. And here's how we're going to know. We're just going to show ourselves to them. And then God will show us what to do. And you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean look for confirmation of sign? Of course, we want God to show us what's right or wrong. I believe he'll confirm anything. He's confirmed in his word. He'll show us what to do. But sometimes we just have to make ourselves available in the everyday of faith. Just show up. Is that simple enough for you? Just show up. Listen, we're in a battle. We understand that. But instead of hiding in the rocks and the caves, afraid of the enemy, why don't we just show up and see what God will do? Come on. Somebody say yes. You guys are sleeping this morning. Probably not. It's just I'm really excited. <laughs> We just every day need to stand up and say, God, I'm going to trust you today, and I'm going to do what you ask me today. And there's going to be a battle, but if you want me to do something, you're going to make it really clear, but I just want to go to work for you today and show up trusting in who you are. Every day. Choosing to make it a reality that God is the one who runs and rules our life. It's not, you know, I'm finding out faith is not some big moment to big moment. You know, we're a generation that loves moments. Entertainment's a moment. Vacation's a moment. We live for the next moment. Our faith journey. Let's live for the... Ooh, ah. What's the next moment? No! It's every single day, whether something happens or not, that we put ourselves in a place of trust and obedience and say, God, you do the rest. Here I am. Is that how you wake up every morning? Thinking how great God is? Well, not, not every morning. Sometimes I wake up thinking about the problems. No. Remember in Mark 9, finish this, and demon-possessed boy, Jesus comes down with his select few, and the other disciples can't cast out that demon. And the Pharisees come, oh, your disciples can't cast out this demon. Jesus comes, oh, sheesh, come on, guys. And finally he comes, he casts out the demon, and he says to the Father, do you believe? Come on, you know it. We've said it a lot. And the Father's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. Remember that? And we're like, yeah, that's me. And then the disciples say, why couldn't we cast it out? And he says, this only comes out by, come on, you can finish it, by prayer and fasting. 
He's like, you didn't have enough faith, right? And the whole point of that wasn't when they saw the demon-possessed boy to throw a prayer meeting. Come on, everyone, come together. Let's have this moment. Let's rev ourselves up to get the faith. That's not what he was saying. He was saying it's a lifestyle of you being with Jesus, praying and fasting, knowing him, showing up every day, choosing to follow him, surrounding yourself, knowing who he is, so when those moments come that you're ready because you trust in him. So it's not a big moment. It's just the everyday it's my lifestyle. I have to show up and trust him, get in his word, know who he is, surround myself with people so when these mountains come, we can say, get out of the way. Because God, I trust you. And we're going to have days we don't feel like that. That's why you surround yourself with those people, those armor bearers. Should I do this? Should I not? You know, let's go. Today, God is calling us to trust Him more. There's no one in this room, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, where you can say your faith is at the limit where God wants it. He wants to work with me and you to say, there's more in me. Will you look at me every day? Every day, showing up. And there's some days he's going to be like, hey, come on up. We're going to do battle today. We're going to do battle today. But we'll be ready in him. You know why it's an everyday thing too and not a moment? Because when you get through the moment... You're going to understand, as we're going to see in this chapter, you step out faith, you see a great victory, and all the, there was chaos with his dad right after that. You know that? The battle never stops till we get to heaven. Oh, God, you've given us a victory. The next day, Saul's like, oh, I'm going to kill you, Jonathan. You ate the honey. That's next week. Like, I can't believe you took that step of faith. What were you thinking? And by the way, there'll be people like that too. I've experienced a lot of them in my life too. Even when they see God's victory, are you sure you did the right thing? I'll tell one dad's story, not mine, my dad, to close. I don't know if you know, we have a lot of kids. And I've heard more than once that I was a madman, crazy. That's okay, whether you have one or nine, you're crazy, okay? <laughs> Doesn't matter. But near the end, when you got the kids seven, eight, and nine, yeah, it's a little tough telling my parents, uh, we're expecting again. I'd like pass it off in a phone call. Hi, how are you guys doing? What's going on? We're pregnant again. <laughs> they were always happy. They were thrilled. But I was really nervous telling my dad for child number nine. That's a lot of kids. And I was thinking, how do I tell him this? <laughs> we had a prayer meeting over there, uh, the upper room, 
which we rented from Terry and Mary above the little laundrette. And I came down, I was like, okay, I gotta go, I can tell my dad. Okay, okay. They were coming fast and furious, these kids. Um, you're going home, Dad. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Amy's pregnant. <laughs> I'll never forget what he said to me. He's like, praise the Lord. He's like, are you sure? <laughs> he said to me, it's not my time to question your decision of faith. It's my time to support and fellowship the blessing God's bringing. For each of us, it's something different. But we can trust that God is with us. Amen? And his call today for me and you is don't get too comfortable But walk trusting him. So, Lord Jesus, thank you this morning. Jonathan, didn't really make sense two against 20, but yet you led him, you confirmed, and you brought victory. And, Lord, you want to do the same in our lives. First and foremost, Lord, we have your word. Sometimes it's really hard to obey when our culture is saying other things. Just the themes of your word, the truth. I'm not talking of anything specific. The themes of the character of God that you're calling us to believe in, to walk in. Would you help us this morning to see that you're greater than the world around us? To increase our trust. May it be just common here to hear of how people have just simply obeyed your truth and your spirit, and you did mighty things. God, we're not here to believe in faith. We're here to believe in God. We're not here to worship faith we're here to worship God but as we worship God we want to walk in faith and we know there's going to be battles it's going to be hard there's going to be challenges but God we choose to believe that you are greater that you are victorious and that you want to work for your glory Lord, may we be encouraged by Jonathan and his armor bearer. Would you encourage us again and again and again? You are worthy of our praise. May we truly this morning, may we believe in what we do not see. May we have an assurance of the things that are hoped for and a conviction of the things not seen. May we live the life of Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Joseph. May we be like them because you live in us. 
We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in the Word of God in eternity in our world today that is cheering us on, saying, Go, believe, trust in Jesus. Thank you, God. We're here to celebrate you as well, first and foremost. In Jesus, how you chose and gave us the ultimate example of faith in trusting your Father, even when it was very, very, very difficult. And we celebrate that we're a forgiven people today, and we start fresh, and there's no condemnation. There's nothing holding us back today from living for you because Jesus has set us free. That the veil is torn and we can enter into your presence. Maybe today you're ever having a tough time just believing in faith in what God has done for you. Would you choose to believe and see what God will do? The burden taken of sin, the shame, the guilt, to live in his forgiveness by simply choosing to trust in what Jesus has done for you. Oh, we get to worship and celebrate that freedom that Christ has given us, that forgiveness, that may, we may walk <laughs> free in a living relationship of faith with God the Father. This morning we're going to sing and I was just thinking this week there's something we haven't done in a while and as we sing and the cups are passed out I'm just going to go to the back and if there's anybody and maybe Amy can go as well or a few other leaders if there's anyone who needs prayer during this song maybe there's something in your life you need to trust God for maybe there's something you need to confess this is a great time to do business with the Lord if there's no one, that's fine, but I want to take that step of faith and say, listen, we'll just spread out at the back. If anyone wants prayer during this song, we'd love to pray for you. And then when we're done singing, and we'll just celebrate the elements together. Let's worship the Lord and praise Him. the throne of God. 
safe, secure in you forever. And I pour out my praise again. You deserve the greater. If you deserve the greater glory. Overcome, I lift my voice to the King.
just thinking I heard a line at a concert a while ago just trusting Jesus but it said follow the trail of God's faithfulness in your life and it starts with his work on the cross so faithful to us so loving so gracious Paid the price while we were yet sinners because he loved us. So faithful. God is so good. We praise him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body broken for us. praise you this morning. Let's take the bread together. Lord Jesus, your blood shed for us the forgiveness of sin, the new covenant. We declare this morning that we believe in what you've done faith we are forgiven thank you Lord each of us in this room is a new creation as we believe and trust in you the old is passed away praise God let's take the juice together kids, if you can get your kids, but the rest of you, I still encourage you to get in a group and pray. And if you want to get your kids and bring them to your group, I just think it's really important we pray together with your families and with others. But I want to be compassionate to the Sunday school worker. So parents, get your kids, bring them in your circle. We need to teach them how to pray for one another too. And please pray for each other. Let's do that now.